Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today. wandered through space and time but not all who wander are lost i am well versed in all facets of the multiverse i have studied at the library of alexandria battled alongside genghis khan danced with cleopatra held symposiums with plato and meditated atop the great pyramid of giza Due to my condition, I have laid dormant inside this vessel called Matthew Hardy. But now, thanks to the consumer of terrestrial entities, I have been woken. You left me with no choice. I sentence you to deletion. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show Podcast, episode 31, presented by FantasyJocks.com. I am your host, Jack O'Hara, and this episode will be positively wonderful as I welcome in former Raw Tag Team Champion, current WWE Superstar, Matt Hardy, brother of Jeff Hardy. Brief, I got the chance to briefly interview him for about two minutes during NASCAR's Can-Am 500 Raceway weekend last weekend in Phoenix. Uh, me and Deck will talk a little bit about the interview. I'll show the interview. We'll also talk about um, what's ahead for New Japan as it looks like the likes of Jericho, Rhodes, Omega may be starting their own wrestling company called All Elite Promotion. Um, we'll talk a little bit about WWE as they have sent surveys out to their fans asking what's wrong with the product. So that'll be interesting. We also get a little bit into, um, it's going to be the two-year anniversary in February of Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens' Festival of Friendship. The Festival of Friendship! Which is arguably probably one of the best segments I've ever watched on TV ever, and for anybody that disagrees with that statement... You just made the list! But I did get the chance to sit down with, well, not really, I, it was a Q&A with Matt Hardy... Got to ask him two questions. One, does he know anything about NASCAR since he grew up in North Carolina? And two, is there anybody in NASCAR out of the personalities that he's seen, like Jimmy Johnson, the Bush brothers, uh, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano? Is there anybody, I mean, you can include Dale Earnhardt, Tony Stewart, anybody in NASCAR, can any, can any driver with the personalities that they have, can uh, cut a good promo in WWE. fuck did you just say? I know, that was really hard to understand. I'll say it one more time. Is there anybody in NASCAR that could cut a good promo in a WWE ring? How 
go banana bread on you, and it'll be too dry to swallow. You ever fuck up one of his monologues again, and I will choke you out, slumdog. George. That is so chivalrous of you. So that being said, let's kick off episode 31 entitled Broken Warriors with WWE superstar Matt Hardy. I got it right. November 24th, interview with Matt Hardy, former Raw Tag Team Champion. A lot going down in WWE this week. WWE has actually re- uh, released surveys for fans to rate their product, tell them what's wrong with the product. That one, this does not look good from a WWE image. Uh, Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, Young Bucks, also rumored to be starting their own elite wrestling company. Um... Yeah, this this doesn't look too good for Vince McMahon. There's already two main roster guys who have already reached a verbal agreement to leave WWE for this new wrestling promotion. How do you think it's going to um, affect WWE going forward, and how do you think it's actually going to turn out, given that it's going to be run by their top guys like Jericho and Rhodes? Uh, it's, it's not going to do any good for WWE, obviously. And with Cody Rhodes running this company, we know that he's had his issues with the company, or his issues with WWE in the past. So this is obviously going to be a company driven off, you know, the, the, the premise of the indies. So it's going to incorporate everything that's great about the indies, and it's going to, it's basically going to shit on everything that's wrong with the big name brands or the big name brand WWE um, but there's also rumors that Gallows and Anderson and Styles could possibly leave WWE to, to um, go to the elite um, and although Gallows and Anderson leaving wouldn't have a huge impact on the main roster no, of they, WWE they really don't do anything no they're well and that's not their they, fault they, they don't do anything on Smackdown Live yeah and that's see that's a problem they could be top guys um, WrestlingZone.com reporting that Chris Jericho and Jim Ross are rumored to be involved with it's going to be all e- all elite wrestling promotion, all elite wrestling promotion. The Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, largely backing this promotion. Um, we'll see who goes. I mean, there was a report today that several trademarks, including All Out, AEW Double, or nothing and more, like the Elite. Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho, Jim Ross, Tony Khan, um, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars or the son of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Shahid Khan, apparently rumored to be involved starting this wrestling company up with their money. Um, Jericho did refute the original report on social media, so he's going to be involved somehow. We'll see if he's actually involved in ownership or if he just makes appearances, given that he has a good relationship with just about everybody in the wrestling business. So I don't know. Uh, 
we'll see what WWE says during these uh, surveys. Like WWE asked their fans how they can better further the product. I mean, this is kind of something I don't think they've ever done before. They finally realize that fans are like disgusted with what's going on. Um, let's see here. Well, WWE is obviously moving into a new era that's, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it. It's based off of not what the fans want, but, like, how would you describe it? With the, with the advancement of the women's revolution, putting people in matches they shouldn't be in, it's, it's not only is it not for the fans, it's almost like it's moving along with society almost what's what's socially acceptable is now what's with the whole Balor club for everything and or Balor club for everyone it's almost like this this movement to make everyone feel accepted and it has nothing to do with the product and entertaining the fans you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Finn Balor left that name didn't even cross my mind I, I know Styles Gallows and Anderson their contracts are up in 2019, and I know Styles wants like a less, he wants like a um, Randy Orton type deal where he works, like he's a full timer, but at the same time takes a few weeks off when he wants to. Yeah. Doesn't work as many live events. Um, apparently, WWE is asking whether or not fans believe that the company focuses too much on their corporate interests. That's, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's definitely. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Definitely. Uh, they also asked fans. If they feel like storylines are not given enough time to develop, and if some great wrestlers aren't getting the coverage they deserve, yes, it's. A, I mean, I guess they're now like reading all social media posts and tweets. Like, this is like all the stuff people have been saying for years. Um, there's also a question on if fans want to see wrestlers taking off the cuffs, so to speak. If there aren't enough unique personalities, if stars are not compelling as they used to be. And if the current champions haven't earned their spots. I mean, I don't want to, like, damper Roman Reigns' character right now. Like, Roman Reigns, the character, should have not been pushed the way he was. Four WrestleManias, four WrestleMania main events in a row. Like, tying Hulk Hogan, like, that's ridiculous. John Cena only has five in his career. <laughs> Roman Reigns has had six WrestleManias total. It's um, all in the eyes of Vince. Whatever Vince wants, Vince thought that the Roman Reigns character was a perfect fit, a big, muscular dude. He like, It's on record that he believes that that's, that's a championship-caliber wrestler, the big muscle head. That's who should be champion. That's why it took forever for Brian to I, ever be I mean, you're champion. seeing it with women's now, too. Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax. He just likes big, sweaty people. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, the biggest question on this survey says that Fans were asked if the shows are way too long. Raw is way too long. I think if they condensed Raw to two hours, so both Raw and SmackDown were two hours, there'd be less fluff in the show. And by fluff, I mean just pointless matches that have nothing to do with any storyline or anything. You go back back to pre-Raw 1000. Pre-Raw 1000, Raw was solid basically every week. Every every superstar on the show was on the show for a reason. Now that they, as soon as they moved it to three hours, which at the time seemed really cool because it was a drastic change in the product. It there's just, there's just too much nonsense going on with too many irrelevant superstars. 
I mean, WWE is losing fans at an alarming, or alarmingly high rate. Uh, this was on Forbes.com, five ways World Wrestling Entertainment can win back its fans, the first being um, them using better use of their part-timers. I mean, I don't know how you can use your part-timers well these days. Put them in solid matches with full-timers instead of using your part-timers as top guys. And at the same, your top guys need to be At the same time, use full-time. part-timers to face, like you said, guys, like the full-time top guys. And at the same time, don't give them title runs. That's what I'm saying. They're bringing back part-timers such as Brock Lesnar and giving them the title and then promoting them as if they are the face of the company, which just doesn't work because they're not there half the time. And this one, this one's huge. This is number four on the list. No longer stress the importance, or stress the importance, I should say, of the WWE and Universal titles. The WWE Championship hasn't main-evented a pay-per-view in I don't know how long. Well, Survivor Series this past year was the first time the WWE Champion was in a main event. Ever. In a long time. I think, what was it? I, I remember reading what the year was. I think it was like five years or something like that. Last WWE title main event. I don't even think Styles during his whole year reign was in the main event once. No, not of a pay-per-view. And and this and Brian being in the main event against Lesnar, it wasn't even for the title. It was just a champion versus championship match. You got to look up when the last time the WWE Championship was on the line in a main event. Okay. It hasn't main evented a pay-per-view in the dual brand era since 2016. I think the last time the WWE Championship main evented a pay-per-view was Battleground, right after the draft, the Shield triple threat match, Rollins, Reigns, and Ambrose. Yeah. That was the last, almost so two right and be- a half years so ago. So right before the plant brand split. Right. Like right after the draft, that like determined Ambrose was bringing the title to SmackDown. That's ridiculous. How long that's been. And that just proves that Raw's the A show. It's always going to be on top because the WWE I mean, Championship can, has been on SmackDown ever since the brand split, and it hasn't main evented a pay I mean, they could say it's the A show. They could squash SmackDown all they want. I feel like people um, leverage towards SmackDown more because, A, they like I feel like the writing's a little bit better with their storylines, and it's only two hours long. And they have all, like, the best technical wrestlers in the business. AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio. And the fact that it's two hours, and I'll say it again, that that's the reason why everyone on SmackDown is relevant. Because it's condensed to two hours. Raw just has so much BS going on, yet it's still the top I mean, the show. cruiserweights, I mean, they're the ultimate piss-break match. Like but the, some of the cruiserweights are really, really talented wrestlers. Mustafa Ali, even Buddy Murphy, they put on a great match at Survivor Series. But the way they portray, it's almost as if WWE is purposely making 205 Live look like the weak show. When in reality, why, why don't you take away, you could take away 205 Live and have, you know, not a cruiserweight division, but just the cruiserweight Championship. Championship on Raw or on SmackDown and just have those guys. Because all those they guys can wrestle, wrestle, wrestle anybody. anybody. Yeah. yeah, they're isolated. They're completely isolated and they only wrestle each other. And you, you see so many repeat matches because they have, you know, X amount of guys on the show. And 205 Live, it's like, I, I think Mixed Match, Mixed Match Challenge gets more views than 205 Live. And Mike, uh, Mike Bennett. Also another main event guy, Mike Kanellis, I should say. 
Um, number three on this list, which is kind of a big topic of discussion, I can lay down a few examples here. Stick with what's new but works. Um, I remember back in 2014 when The Shield first wrote broke up Roman Reigns was like the hottest thing in the company he got the biggest pops this was before he got booed out of the building at the Rumble and they kind of just like waited it out like for that like six months period he was kind of just a mid-carder facing guys like Orton and Rollins like they should have put the title on him immediately because he was hot exactly you know, like, they and waited. like Braun Strowman last year when he was heel when he was facing Roman Reigns hottest superstar in the company should have had the title should should have at least been considered for the title, and he should have been champion by now anyways. He was the hottest thing over the summer, too, when he held the money in the bank. He should have won the title at SummerSlam. Like, Still baffled by that. Still baffled by that. Um, uh, it's because we were there live. If we weren't there live, I don't think we'd be as affected by that main event. And then he should have won it the next night, too, and then The Shield came out. Um, right. I'm trying to think who else was a victim of this. Um... WWE loves Dean Jermaine. Ambrose multiple Ambrose. times. Multiple yeah. times Dean Ambrose. I mean, they finally gave it to him in 20, uh, what was it, 2016, that Money in the Bank. Yeah. But 2014, in that feud with Rollins, should have been pushed way more. 2015, again, should have been pushed way more. Well, the, the thing is, WWE loves dramatic storytelling. So they want to they wanna keep, when, when guys get hot, they want to keep them hot and on top as long as they possibly can and just wait just wait it out until they give him the title because they want the fans to be so like finally he won the title but by the time they get the title it's they're like, like, uh, like should have had the title years ago we want I don't want to see you on TV now I need to see you all the time because now no. you're the champion here's one that has really here's a guy who's really been a victim of this he's not even on TV right now Kevin Owens <sighs> During that feud with John Cena when he first came up, being Cena in his first ever match at that Elimination Chamber show, had that like that trilogy rivalry with Cena where he lost twice after that, kind of mm-hmm. lost a lot of steam. Like he was the hottest guy he was. coming right off the bat there when he beat Cena at Elimination Chamber. He should have won that rivalry. I don't know why he didn't win the rivalry. I remember the match at a uh, Battleground. I think it was Battleground for the U.S. title. Their final. Um, the third match between them, Cena hit him with an AA off the top rope and he kicked out, yet he still lost the match. Yeah. And then he started going into, like, mid-card rivalries with Cesaro and, uh... I remember Enzo Amore and Cass the following year. Like, it was just stupid how they booked him. And by the time his universal title reign came, like, when he won the title, that was exciting because Triple H interfered and pedigreed almost But everybody. he wasn't the guy anymore. At that point, you're kind of like, all right, it's kind of different. It's kind of cool. But by the time that Universal title ring was over, you're like, get the title off of him. Oh, absolutely. The only reason he was so... the, the Why I consider that title run successful is because he had Jericho with him throughout the entire thing. Jericho is the one who made that Universal title run relevant, in my opinion. And I think we talked about this before. Oh, so many times. I mean, the list of Jericho is probably like his greatest... Gimmick. He didn't come up with that, though. A writer did come up with that. Jericho came up with basically everything in his in that run. The whole the whole it thing and the uh, gift of Jericho that was all him. But the list of Jericho specifically was by a writer, and I remember I was and surprised. I don't think we'll ever forget the Festival of Friendship coming up on the two year anniversary of the Festival. Of Friendship. Really, already? We, we might have to do a podcast just on the Festival of Friendship. That was it. Was one like of the an best... hour long segment. 
and it was perfectly executed. It was a perfectly executed segment. I loved every second of that segment. I mean, from the beginning, Jericho just being, like, obnoxious and, like, Welcome to the Festival of Friendship. The painting. The clown or whoever was on uh, there. Friendship the Magician. Friendship the Magician, yeah. Yeah. See if I can find this video. Chris Jericho kicking off the uh, Festival of Friendship, February thirteenth, twenty seventeen. It's been that long. Or I was a senior. You were a freshman in high school. I was a freshman. Gentlemen, boys and girls, grandmothers and grandfathers, the sixty-one minute man presents to you the greatest extravaganza in <laughs> WWE history: the WrestleMania of camaraderie theme celebrations. I present to you. <laughs> just his facial expressions too I mean genius remember the art of Jericho it was like um, the, re- the creation of Adam and Eve yeah but it was Jericho uh, he didn't have any pants on uh, you, like, bizarre people don't understand how over you have to be as a character to make the festival of friendship a successful segment if they threw I don't know like what if that was Roman they made for like oh it, it would be brutal if it was like Roman and Dean so, Ambrose the festival so, of friendship it would be so cringeworthy it would have been terrible and then but that the Jericho's sense of humor for just stupid humor like that it just that just worked here's uh, Magic the Magician giving a rose to Kevin Owens and then Jericho end up putting the magician on the list Uh, I gotta tell you, I don't know how much this guy's charging you, but we got our nine-year-old son a magic kit for Christmas, and he can do the same trick. He's nine. <laughs> nine years old. You know, you, know, you know what, actually? That really wasn't all that impressive, friendship. <laughs> you know, what kind of a magician are you? You know what? You know what? Friendship, the magician. You just made the list! Just genius. Genius segment all around. We're going to have to do a full episode. Maybe we could talk about Jack, with Jack Slade about that. <laughs> Fozzie's production manager. December 10th, I think he said he was going to come on. We also have Jeff Jarrett in December. Jeff Jarrett, yeah. WWE Hall of Famer. Another WWE superstar we might be getting on very, very shortly. In talks with him right now. The former Intercontinental Champion, CM Punk, said he was the worst wrestler he's ever wrestled against because he hurt him so many times. Senor Ryback. Yeah, look at that. Feed me more. So that was, so off topic here, number, what was this? Number two on this Forbes list, top five things WWE needs to change now is limit slash reduce the number of weekly shows. I mean, you have to keep Raw and SmackDown. Other than that, 205 Live, like, I don't even know who watches 205 No one Live. watches, that's what I'm saying. You it's on the it's network and it's after SmackDown at, like, 10 o'clock. Yeah, no one's going to watch it. No one's going to, there's no point of having 205 Live when you could just have the Cruiserweight Championship on either Raw or SmackDown. 
All right, here we got we got Raw, SmackDown, Two Hundred Five Live, and NXT every week, and then throw and in NXT is doing amazing, and then throw in the NXT Takeover specials every few months for the big four pay per views, and then you got the two main roster pay per views a month. See, uh, to me, why why send out a survey to fans on how to make the product better when Vince could just ask Triple H what's going on because Triple H is doing a fantastic job running NXT. Apparently, Vince McMahon doesn't even watch NXT. That's what Triple H said. Yeah, I bet he doesn't. He should, because he could learn a few things. Triple H knows what's up. Vince McMahon likes to live in the past. That's why he loves having these part-timers who, you know, were once the next big thing, Brock Lesnar. And he has them come back and puts the title on him because he thinks the product will be successful if he tries to recreate what was successful in the past. When Triple H over at NXT takes all this new talent and develops these amazing characters. Because honestly, Triple H allows these guys to, to really be themselves. And that's why they get so over with the fans. And that's why the product is so believable. I mean, two th- here are two things WWE needs to do. One, obviously limit the number of weekly shows. I don't know if, how they can limit it. Obviously, you said 205 Live needs to go. Just put them in the ring with main roster guys. Exactly. Um... You need make Raw two hours again. SmackDown's already two hours. NXT can stay the way it is because it's awesome. But you also need that really juicy fire storyline, which they've been lacking for a very long time. Like when Punk walked out, that was genius. It was an original storyline. That's why that I was, was probably so the hottest WWE. They was repeat storylines. I feel like they have they just they just have this crummy formula for storylines. I mean, that some they, of, some they of them use for everyone. Some of them work. Rollins and Ambrose will always be a great storyline. Yeah, it always, always will be because when they debuted that storyline, like the former best friend storyline, which is now the storyline you see with Becky Lynch and Charlotte, it's like that oh, storyline. Yeah. That's story that line. same storyline is everywhere. The reason why it still works with Rollins and Ambrose is because. Those are the two superstars that the storyline was initially initially introduced on. So they have an original story to go behind that storyline. Everyone else, it's, you know, they look like best friends. Another one, um, uh, 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 Sasha and Bailey, the two most irrelevant women on the roster right now. At the same time, possibly two of the most talented. That's another issue, misusing talented wrestlers. And another, this isn't even on the list, but talking about all this stuff... One thing WWE needs to do, which is something they, like, refuse to do, and I don't know why, because, like, they're young guys who have been brought up, like Rollins, Reigns, Ambrose, they're in their prime now. Right. And they're still relying on guys like The Undertaker exactly. and Triple H and Shawn Michaels is now And back. as cool it is to see those guys come back, it's getting to a point where it's not that cool to see them come back because we know they are not going to perform and they are not going to exceed our expectations. Not at all. Unless, unless there's fans out there, so, oh, The Undertaker's back, I hope he blows his hip out walking down to the ring. Then, fans would be ecstatic, because that's what happens basically every time. I mean, that was number five. You have to utilize your part-timers correctly. You can't be putting part-timers in the ring with other part-timers. Because, like, A, they don't wrestle... 20, they don't wrestle 360 nights a year. They wrestle five nights a year, maybe, and they, they're not going to be 100% just like you. If you put exactly. Undertaker in the ring with... Um, I mean, at this point, if you put Undertaker in the ring with anybody, it's not going to be a five-star match. But if you put him in the ring with someone like Seth Rollins or even uh, AJ Styles, it's, it's going to be a decent match. Same goes for Shawn Michaels, who basically proved he can't 
wrestle like he did eight he years st- ago. I think he still wrestles better than Undertaker Kane and maybe even Triple H. He was still able to do a... Triple S- H has been good. That was a bad match. Like, it that was. That was like the beginning of his Well, down. think about it. All of Triple H's recent, recent great matches, you know, he, he's put in the ring with younger guys. He's put in the ring with guys you can still hang, and he can hang with those guys. When you put him in a match against The Undertaker, where they're both old and both slow, how is Triple H supposed to perform? I don't know. That's why they have to utilize their part-timers better, and this actually leads into the number one thing on Forbes.com, what WWE should do with their product, dream matches. They have to provide more dream. We finally got Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan at Survivor Series. Yeah, Good sure, match. but think about it. Shinsuke versus AJ at, at WrestleMania, that was a dream match. And then they pushed it. And they Way ruined it. They ruined it. They can't ruin it. When they have dream matches, they need to make them one-off matches and make them as good as possible. Why try to create a crummy storyline in the dream match and then just drag it out for months? And utilizing those part-timers for dream matches, you have to put them in the ring with your top guys now who could carry the match. Just think about it. AJ and Shinsuke could put on a five-star match together in the WWE, but now fans don't want to see it because they ruined that storyline. They had like five matches five months in a row. They should have had one match at WrestleMania, and it should have been phenomenal. So here are three dream matches that WWE put together here. Kurt Angle versus Roman Reigns. Not a dream match. it's, It's not a... It's their dream match. But at the same time, I feel like Kurt Angle can't really put on a great match with anybody anymore. No, he I feel can't. like he's way too stiff in the ring. Uh, John Cena versus Shinsuke Nakamura. We've seen that already. We've it's seen not. That. It's not like your top dream match. It's a good match. Now AJ versus Cena. Yes, that was a dream match. I wouldn't I, say. I, I'd still see that again. I would love to watch that again, but I wouldn't say Shinsuke Cena is. A and dream here's match. the last one. This is not a dream match. We've seen it over and over again, and we're probably going to see it again at the Royal Rumble in Phoenix. Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman, Not which a match. which a year ago that's an awesome match because you finally have someone who could kick Lesnar's ass, but now mm-hmm. they've made it to the point where Lesnar can just squash a five hundred pound monster like Braun Strowman. So I don't know. I mean, every now and then they surprise you. I mean, like we said on other shows, not recently, but every now and then they surprise you. Sting. Debuting at uh, Survivor Series 2014 in that Team Cena versus Team Authority Survivor Series match. Punk winning at Money in the Bank. Styles debuting at the Rumble in 2016. Um, that was great, but at the same time, people were expecting that. Yeah, but like you can expect it, but when it actually happens, it blows your mind. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll see. I mean, I it doesn't sound like anybody from New Japan is coming over at the Rumble or WrestleMania season. But think about it. To to create a moment where fans' minds are blown, like Styles debuting at the Rumble, they needed to bring in new talent in order to get that reaction out of fans. When in the pre-Raw 1000 era, which to me is, you know, like 2010 to 2012, they were able to use guys like CM Punk and even The Miz and still create jaw-dropping moments without having to bring in new talent and without having to show fans something they've never seen before. They were using talent correctly. That's the difference. As soon as Raw became three hours, because Raw is the the A show, it's the flagship show, that's true. I'm not saying because, you know, the storylines or, or the, the talent is better on Raw. I'm just saying 
Raw is, you know, WWE's show, if you think about it. It's, it's been there longer than SmackDown. As soon as that became three hours, things started to go downhill. And I honestly think Raw being three hours is one of their main problems. Why their talent is not, or why they're not producing the right matches. I mean, it's, there's too much going on. Oh, I mean, like you said, it's two hours, and that obviously helped. They could maneuver their talent any way they wanted to with a two-hour show as opposed to three hours. They have more than enough room to put in everybody in pointless matches. Exactly. But at the same time, they had so much more talent in their prime back then. That's true. Like, Cena was still a full-timer back then. Michaels, Triple H. Punk wasn't even a top guy. He was more of a mid-carder. Edge. Sheamus was getting in there. Orton was a top guy. Well, how do you think they all became top guys? It's because... The shows were two hours, and they were always able to put all these guys in relevant storylines so they could build their names. Now all these guys being brought up in this new era where it's three hours, and everyone's supposed to be relevant, but it just doesn't work, that's how people start falling off. See, Balor, if Balor debuted in the WWE in 2012, it, it would have been a completely different story. So here's fansided.com. Obviously, the elite wrestling promotion might be going down, but here's if the elite signing with WWE, um, here's some dream matches that they proposed. John Cena versus Kenny Omega. It's probably the first one. I mean, we've seen Styles versus Omega in other companies, but it'd be cool to see in WWE. Young Bucks versus the Usos. Um, Finn Balor versus Cody Rhodes. Naito versus Styles. Who versus Styles? Naito, he's uh, Jericho's opponent. Oh, right. So Kingdom 13. 13. So who knows? Uh, one thing WWE did get right, though. WrestleMania 33. Triple threat ladder match. Enzo and Cass. Um, Gallows and Anderson and... Cesaro and Sheamus. Cesaro and Sheamus. Did I say that? No, no, those were right. And then the bell rang. New Day came out there, the hosts. It looked like they were going to add themselves into the match to make it a fatal four-way. Then the Hardy Boys music hit. The place went nuts. Hardy Boys returning to WWE after nine years in TNA and Ring of Honor. Um, probably one of our favorite wrestling moments. We were on the couch upstairs with I was almost in tears. Uh, I wish I still... I mean, that video still exists somewhere of you losing your mind. I just don't have it anymore. <laughs> it was insane, though. Well, I, I almost lost my mind in rage because I, I, I genuinely thought it was going to be the new day who, was gonna, who, who were going to enter the match. I was, I was upset because I did predict that the bell was going to ring and then the Hardys were going to come, come out. The bell rung and then I heard the New Day's music and I, I was outraged. Like, what, what, what a WWE move that would have been to have the host be the surprised guest in the new, in the, in the tag. No, I mean, I saw them slowly walking down. I'm like, their music is about to hit. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then the Hardy Boys end up winning the Raw Tag Team titles. Matt Hardy with a twist of fate off the ladder. And Jeff Hardy with a swanton off the top of that, like, 20-foot ladder. Amazing. It was yeah. such a surreal moment when their music hit and when they came out. Like, it was almost like... It, 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 was, it was just so unbelievable. Oh, what a magic moment that was. I'll and, never forget um, that. 
two weekends ago at NASCAR's Ken Am 500 event. You know who I got to meet? Matt Hardy. And I got the chance quickly to meet him beforehand, just to introduce myself, big fan of you and your brother. And then after the race, because he was the, um, he was NASCAR's uh, ceremonial or honorary pace car driver for that event. And he had a Q&A in the press conference room afterwards, and I got a chance to ask him two questions. First one, he's a big NASCAR guy. <laughs> Basically, what the hell are you doing here? And two, who could cut the best promo in that, like a NASCAR driver, who could, get, who could cut the best promo in WWE style? And here is my quick but relevant interview with former Raw Tag Team Champion Matt Hardy. Matt, I grew up watching you as a kid. I was a big fan of you and Jeff. Um, you're here today at the uh, Can-Am 500 here in Phoenix. Now, you are a Carolinian, grew, grew up in uh, North Carolina. Um, how familiar are you with the NASCAR as a brand? Now, you were the pace car driver today. Uh, you've seen all the personalities here in NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick. Who do you think personally could c- cut the best promo in a WWE-style ring? And just like that, it was over. (laughs) About two minutes long, two questions. Really have to turn up the volume to hear it. I was in the back of the room. Um, But a cool chance to meet Matt. Um, It's a shame that his career is probably over. Had that short Raw Tag Team title run with uh, Bray Wyatt, who hasn't been seen on TV in forever. Another waste of talent. I mean, you can say he's very talented, and I guess he is on the mic for sure, but at the same time, like they bury him in all of his rivalries. Yeah, well, this new era that we're heading into is is it's full of realism. So a character like Bray Wyatt isn't really gonna fit in anywhere, and that's probably the reason why we haven't seen him on TV. Because who's he gonna go into a relevant rivalry with? He's had a rivalry with almost everybody in the business too. Yeah, it's like they like threw him in top rivalries, but then he never went over in any of them. No, he didn't. He lost every match. I mean, we've seen him against Rollins, Reigns, Ambrose, Jericho, Cena. He had that promo with The Rock at WrestleMania. Matt Hardy. I mean, that Matt Hardy rivalry was probably one of his best just because he finally had someone who, like, had the same bizarre, charismatic character as he had. I mean, their, like, final deletion match, although it was taped... And in Matt Hardy's backyard, they had like the Lake of Reincarnation. Yeah, well, at least they incorporated the the you know Matt Hardy's 
compound, right? The Hardy compound. I thought it was cool that they incorporated that because it was like the first time you kind of got like a, an indie feel to a WWE show. So that was pretty cool. And apparently, that was what, beginning of the year? Apparently, the fans who were in attendance for that event didn't get to see it. Like, they didn't even show it on the big screen. Really? Instead, they just had, like, a dark match with cruiserweights as the main event. Like, I don't know what they that were sucks. thinking. I don't know why they did I mean, that. I was at Raw 25 and what they did for the Undertaker's promo and the DX return, which is really upsetting because right before it goes on, to, on commercial, before the Undertaker comes out, it doesn't say that the Undertaker is going to be in Manhattan. You hear a gong, and then it comes up on the screen, Undertaker returns next, and everyone in Brooklyn freaks out. They're like, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. And then the lights come back on Raw. You think you're about to get the gong, and the lights just go off. No gong. You're like, hmm, interesting take on his entrance. And then the big screen just pops up live in Manhattan. You're like, oh, this sucks. And then they did the same thing for DX. Yeah, and then DX was in Manhattan. So you just watch it on the big screen. So I thought they'd at least do that for that. You should be thankful that you were at the Brooklyn show. Oh yeah! Can you the, imagine if you were in Manhattan? Oh, that? dude, total waste of money. It was. It was. It was just it was stock ten times full. more expensive too. Yeah. Well, at least I got the Stone Cold return. That like was, they paid a shitload of money to watch, watch Cruiserweights Raw, Raw Twenty Five in Manhattan at the Manhattan Center, first WWE show there in twenty plus years. Just to, and they didn't even have a big screen. They didn't watch anything. No. And it was basically a cruiserweight live show. Yeah. So basically, while the opening segment of Raw Twenty Five was in Brooklyn. There was either nothing going on in Manhattan at the time, or there was a cruiserweight match going on at the time. So that would have been a total waste of money. As cool as it would have been, because that, that would be a unique show to go to, it did not It did not live up to its expectations. I mean, Brooklyn had its moments, too. You had Stone Cold, Stunner, to, McMahon, to both McMahons, Shane and Vince. That was probably the pinnacle of that show. Yeah, oh yeah, like, they kicked it off with a bang, and then that was basically it. Undertaker, even when he came out, cut, like, the most confusing promo ever. Yeah, everyone was like, are you retiring? Are you dying? What's going on? Uh, they misused Cena, basically just got his ass kicked by Elias for well, no reason. The, the thing is, Elias came out and totally hinted that The Rock was going to come out. Oh, brutal. It was brutal. And everyone got so excited, and then Cena comes out, and everyone was like, eh. And then they, like, mentioned that Jimmy Fallon... Yeah, I was going to say, they they were going to... They made it a big deal that Jimmy Fallon was going to be on Raw 25, and what he got, like, the camera pointed at him, and he waved, (laughs) and then then he left. Like, that was it. Oh, brutal. Brutal. I mean, I'm looking forward to see what um, WWE has in store in the next decade or so, considering that Triple H is going to take over, and I'm hearing once Fox, because WWE is going to be... Well, SmackDown's moving to Fox. SmackDown's moving to Fox, but apparently Fox wants to change the product entirely. Like, I heard they want Daniel Cormier on commentary. That'd be too. And they want both Raw and SmackDown stars. So I feel like the brand split's just going to implode again. It's, it's not going to implode. Gonna it's it's going to fade out, just like it did 10 years ago. Which could potentially suck if they don't really... Well, how great has this brand split really... like? It hasn't been that great. Uh, I mean, I, I actually years. take that comment back. It might be good for the product. It might be good. Think about think about the product in 2011. There was no Raw and SmackDown roster. Everyone the was first on, half of the year was when, yeah. when Triple H announced the Raw Super Show. It was over. Well, that was supposed to be like a one-time thing or like a special event, and they had the Super thing SmackDown is, Live. If so. they do, let's say they move Raw back to two hours and Raw and SmackDown become non-exclusive, and both wrestlers wrestle there every week. 
they have to have both rosters wrestle at both shows every week. The last time they did that, it was basically a Raw super show, and then SmackDown was like, we need to have here's someone... what happened on Raw last week, basically. Yeah. And like you only got like the SmackDown-type guys on SmackDown. It was kind of a waste. I think we need, also need to have someone win the Universal title and then abolish it and bring back the World Heavyweight title. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's only a dream. There, there's what? no way that's going to happen. Well, that, well, 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 by having the Universal Championship, that just makes it a permanent Raw title and makes... And makes because with the universal title you can't you can't get rid of the brand split. You can't have the universal champion on SmackDown. Well, originally when they made the Universal Championship, they're thinking about making the WWE title blue. Yeah. Which would have been terrible. Yeah, would have. I, th- I think the stripe underneath the WWE logo on the title was blue for like a week. And then they changed it. Wasn't it black? Or something? Something. It was like stupid. one week, yeah. Uh Universal Championship. Everybody thinks it's cursed. Finn Balor was champion for 24 hours, had to relinquish it. Kevin Owens, champion, got squashed by Goldberg. Goldberg retired after losing the title to Lesnar, and then obviously Lesnar held the title for a year and a half, only defended it. I can count on one finger how many times he defended it in almost 500 days. Reigns, unfortunately, gets leukemia two months into his title reign. He's done. And now Lesnar's champion again, and he's not going to be there. And none of the Universal Champions, besides Lesnar at this point, got rematches. No. None of them got... I mean, Kevin Owens should get a rematch. Well, Reigns did give Balor his rematch. Yeah, and then they buried Balor, which sucked. But it was a good match. Yeah, but you knew he was going to lose. Yeah, absolutely. How cool would it have been if they did put the title on Balor then? Amazing. But then uh, Strowman would definitely cash in, and then Strowman would be champion. Yeah, They don't... I feel like poor Finn Balor was going to get the push of a lifetime starting out on the main roster after the brand split. It was like the number three draft pick overall to Monday Night Raw, and then Seth Rollins tears his shoulder in half, and now he's nothing more than a mid-carder getting squashed by Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley. So a lot to be excited about in the coming months. Hopefully we get Jared back on for WrestleMania season. Jeff Jarrett and Jack Slade both coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll get Diamond Dallas Page uh, come WrestleMania season in the spring. Royal Rumble in Phoenix at Chase Field. WrestleMania at MedLife in Jersey. I really, really hope they get it right. <laughs> I really, really hope they listen to the surveys. Well, this that that's at least that's hope. At least now we know that they are concerned with the <laughs> yeah. product. Because over the past couple of years, it, it's like they didn't they didn't give a shit, and they just did whatever they wanted. So, so we'll see what happens. This That's... was episode thirty one. Episode thirty one, titled "Broken Warriors" with Matt Hardy. Check out the Matt Hardy interview. I it's got to be like thirty minutes in. I'll see how long see what the exact coordinates were i'll post those so next episode episode 32 yankees beat writer brian hoke joining us on the show talk about the uh, james paxton trade manny machado bryce harper yada 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 winter <laughs> meetings in two weeks in vegas we'll talk about that episode 31 broken warriors with matt jack and declan hit it hootie
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.